Hi everyone, Robbie here. I'm excited to announce my debut horror novel, Conquest, is out and available now, both in ebook and physical format. Here's a short description. Tensions are running high in the small mountain town of Conquest, Idaho. Newly elected Sheriff Heather Hill is on one side, toxic and corrupt Mayor J.H. Beter on the other, a standoff in a culture war. With the wildfire approaching, battle lines begin to form. As the Cold War heats up, Heather and J.H. are at each other's throats. But they have more to worry about than the fire. The pack has arrived in conquest. Around this gang of bestial shapeshifters, they are hungry and eager to show their dominance. Conquest makes a perfect target. Now Heather, J.H., and the people of Conquest must fight for survival as blood and ash fill the streets. It's a great book for fans of Stephen King or bloody werewolf stories, and I encourage any fans of horror to check it out. The link to purchase it is in the show notes or can be found on my website, RobbieDorman.com. I've worked very hard on it, and I'd love for you to check it out. Hi everybody, this is The Simpsons Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host Matt, and we are here to talk about The Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? I'm uh, I'm alright. This episode perplexes me, but I'm very interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, those are some interesting thoughts, Robbie. And that's what Let's I got. Describe your newsletter. That's, 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 what I, that's what I've got for this one. Uh, if I could just... Can I, get, can I uh, submit a sound of a sigh? Well, it's funny because, okay, I'm going to tell you what I think. This episode has the core of a good one in it, but the fact that it's about comic book guy makes it a lot worse than it had been about someone else. Mm-hmm. I, I think I disagree with you. Hi, guys. We are brought really? to you by our supporters on Patreon. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show for only $2 a month. You get access to all of our bonus content. We have a person to thank, Matthew. Ooh, goody. Elliot Rowe. Thank you, Elliot. Thank you, Elliot. You may have subscribed at a prior time that I don't remember for sure. And I see people's names a lot repeating, so I'm going to say <laughs> thank you. This week's episode is Worst Episode Ever, episode C-A-B-F-08, written by Larry Doyle, directed by Matthew Nastic. Received a 9.8 rating, which is approximately 18.5 million viewers. It was among adults 18 to 49. The rating was an 8.9. So it did better with younger and older audiences I, about that I, I guess the chopper gag i will not hide the teacher's medication that's never a good idea unless in this case medication means booze because for many teachers i'm sure it does i i'm i'm lodging a formal complaint matt oh because i believe i'm not 100 percent sure i i'm fairly certain though that we've had a previous chopper gag that was uh the teacher's birth control or, or tic tacs are not birth control or something along right. those lines that is a better version of this. Yes, that's true. Then why don't the specific medications make this funnier? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's my formal complaint. The couch gag, the couch is valet parked and then the, uh, by the squeaky voice teen and he he is uh, left without a tip. No. He's upset because he doesn't get Jerks. tips. Probably should, you got to tip valet. That's should tip. If you're paying for valet, you got to include the cost of the tip in there. That's true because uh, you know everyone knows you can't pay a living wage anymore. You have to live off tips. I mean, valet's always been a tip business. Yeah, but nothing should be a tip business. Matt, mm. we can't 
We can't have a our Simpsons podcast. That, that's a conversation become, for a different episode. Can't become a, a capitalism podcast. Okay. And, and or failures of capitalism podcast. <laughs> we can maybe touch on it from time to time. Uh, the episode guest stars Tom Savini as himself. Did you know Tom Savini before? Without uh, aside from his Simpsons career, Matt. Oh yes, uh, I've uh, listened to several movie podcasts where he has come up uh, quite glowingly. Yeah, he's a, a famed special effects dude. Uh, did a lot of George Romero stuff in the latter George Romero movies. I like Tom Savini. He is could have used more of him in this episode, actually. Yeah, I he's fine. I think he doesn't. They don't ask much of him, really. He's, he's, no, he's just there to, to do basically the same spiel he would do in an actual live thing and then go, oh, my God, I think he's had a heart attack. Yeah. Um, the episode begins with the, the Simpson family eating breakfast. Uh, Marge is making pancakes out of a squeeze bottle, which that has to exist, right? I It has to. I mean, I haven't seen a lot. I mean, the pancake mix I'm more familiar with is a powder uh, that you mix in to make your own, but that someone's got to have it in a bottle, right? That's, that's so easy. I feel like I've, I've, I have... I think that's the final frontier of laziness. Yeah. When you're you're like, oh, I don't even want to buy the mix and mix it myself with water. I need it pre-mixed. Thank you very much. Well, to be fair, at that point, you're still cooking something. You're still taking something, applying heat, and then making something else. Um, I mean, there's much lazier things you can do. Unless you're squirting it directly in your mouth. That would be awful I, oh, oh, oh what is this clone high again with your obscure references matt i don't hey clone high is not obscure it's amazing and just because something's good doesn't mean it's not obscure uh lisa uses miss Butter- butterworth uh syrup it's, you know mrs Butter- butterworth doesn't need a man to make her syrup delicious exactly she's got a job and a briefcase and everything <laughs> exactly so Lisa finds, well, she's looking for the Miss Butterworth, finds some gross-looking baking soda in the fridge. Homer's derogated by Bart. Uh, Homer raises it to $50 to make a bet. Um, Homer eats it and then encounters like some hallucinogenic flashback about all the food that it's absorbed over the years. Um, Lisa calls poison control just to give them a heads up. But this is all setting up. This is all set up to what the episode is. I would argue that the entire episode is set up to nothing, but (laughs) (laughs) a lot of Skull of Year episodes are set up and set up and you're like, oh, there's no ending. It's just it just stops. Uh, But Bart gets the fifty dollars and we we go we see him and Milhouse go on a spending spree. Can I see the fifty Bart? Can I? Huh? Milhouse, my friend, you and I are going on a spending spree. My doctor says I'm not supposed to go on sprees. What about Jags? Jags are fine. Wonderful. A $50 bill? Gentlemen, let us shop. Our wide variety of gum comes in both stick and bowl. I'm not really about gum, but I like the whole chewing thing. Are you averse to crispy center, sir? Not at all. Then we have much to discuss. Oh, too much raw bacon. Ugh. Come on, Bart. We can't stop spending now. There's one thing I've always wanted to do. My mom doesn't believe in fabric softener, but she's not around. <laughs> I'm picking the next thing. I really enjoyed the fabric softener joke. Uh, as did I, because I also do not use fabric softener and see no need for it. So I'm a uh, team Millhouse's mom, team Luann. Uh, also, 
Has anyone who thinks that, oh, he would close the cookie mart for $50 ever seen the prices in a convenience store? $50 does not go very far. This whole scene is an inferior version of the Boy Scouts on the Hood scene. That's also true, yes. So I don't know. It's it doesn't it doesn't have a song. It doesn't do anything to establish. It's 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 to get them to the comic book store. That's all this does. Uh, and it doesn't. It I like the joke about Millhouse. The Quickie Mart's thing is whatever. Um, so they go to the comic book store, the Android's Dungeon, where comic book guy is there, being himself, being comic book guy. Um, which I would make a point. This is the first episode about comic book guy as a main character. Still just comic book guy. Never not given a name yet. He eventually does get one. I don't know why they didn't do it here. That would have made him more of a person. Well, of course, you can't make him more of a person. That would be bad. I I are you did you work for The Simpsons in two thousand, Matt? Well, I tried, but uh, it turns out being a, a high school junior does not lend well to my. <laughs> they prospects. didn't. They didn't want to hire you. Um, but they they saw the 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 comic shop. They want Radioactive Man one thousand. Unfortunately, Radioactive Man one thousand costs twenty five dollar dues, and they can't afford. That is it. a lot of money for a single comic. Just I saying. mean, maybe if they're buying comics in the year twenty nineteen, I believe it, but yeah. Even today, you can get a trade paperback for fifteen dollars. I mean, twenty five dollars for a single issue, there, even if it's in permanent condition. There are, there are. I mean, there's single issues of Marvel comics that have recently sold for at re, for you know basic retail prices ten, eleven, twelve dollars. I know action action comics number one thousand and the recent Detective Comics one thousand are are they're they're thick comics. I will admit, but I assume that Radioactive Man one thousand will also be a big comic. And, and us as it bounces off liquid. It liquid bounces off it onto lesser comics like Bongo comics. <laughs> okay, that was a good joke. I, I appreciate that, that was that was also like I would say that most of the non character like the the non comic book guy content of this episode is funny. Um however, I will I'm on the record as I am not a fan of comic book guy, the character, and this episode does not change my mind. Well, because he's basically Oscar the Grouch, but less funny. And more condescending. I first, Matt. How dare you compare a, this character to a beloved Muppet? Uh huh. Oscar the Grouch is beloved and charming in his grouchiness. Comic mm-hmm. guy has no charm, even when they try well, to give the, him the, charm. The condescension it steals away all the charm. I I don't know. They they I will. I'm gonna submit to you a fact, Matt. Hank Azaria okay. won an Emmy for his performance as comic book guy in this episode. What? It's a fact. That happened. What? That happened. I'm not saying that Hank Zaria's Hank Zaria is a very talented voice actor. There's nothing in this episode that he did as comic book guy that is, that uh, that is award winning. It he made him he he said th- this is also a fact that Hank Zaria said he's like yeah I mean comic book guy's default default tone is sarcastic you know and condescending and so it took a lot of work to make it not that all the time. And I'm not, I don't want to throw too much shade in Hank's area, but I can't tell the difference in this episode. It's still just comic book guy to me. Yeah, like he comic book guy has the one voice. I mean, he's, he's condescending and uh, you know, overwrought. I, I don't, I don't get any empathy. There's no, I don't feel for comic book guy in this episode at any point, which I think would, should be the goal of like, you think of the best like crusty episodes and the Mo episodes. You think of supporting character episodes that they are carrying episodes. If Patty or Selma. The, those Skinner, you think of them and you go, 
I feel for those supporting characters. I didn't feel much about them pri- previously. Now I do. I This does nothing for me about comic book guy. Um, so they can't afford it, so he tells them to buzz off. Uh, Martin's mother comes in at this point to try and sell some collectibles, which are all extraordinarily limited edition Star Wars associated things, including like original scripts, alternate endings. Where Luke's father is Chewbacca. Sure. I want to see that version of Star Wars. I mean, isn't that canon? I mean, I would hope so. It makes more sense than, you know, Vader. I mean, just because Vader is his bi- bi- biological father, Chewie raised the boy, I think. I think Chewie really made so him raised a man. him from the age of 18. <laughs> I mean, how... Luke might have aged, again, 18 biological years. He had the mind of a child. He couldn't help it. He, that is definitely true. He grew up in a moisture farm shooting womp rats. That's what happens when you grow up on the farm. You're intellectually stunted. I guess. Regardless, they warn Martin's mother, hey, don't sell this to him. He's lowballing you because these things are worth a lot of money. And so they are banned from the comic book shop. This week, this gets us a, a flashback sequence where we see Homer is banned from a Gallagher performance and all future Gallagher performances. I've seen, I think I've told this story on this podcast before. I've seen Gallagher live. Hope you like racism. Really? Oh, no, 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 no. Really? He's good at smashing watermelons, and he's good at talking about watermelons. He knows his watermelons. A lot of low-key casual racism in a Gallagher set, and casual misogyny as well. Um, I mean, I never would have ever gone to see Gallagher, but that just makes me sad. I wanted... It's That's a very particular reason I went. It's best not talked about here. So All we right. go to the comic shop to try and sneak the boys in because Tom Savini, aforementioned Tom Savini is, a, is, a, is doing a guest appearance at the comic book shop, uh, doing a, a, a stage show. Like he does like, he's doing special effects, uh, uh demonstrations. In well, the Q and a, he just, he's just that kind of guy. It's, it's what happens when you do a Q and a with him. He just has stuff that comes with him. Okay. Whatever. Regardless. Um, Tom Savini's there. The boys want to see him. Um, Homer is theoretically going to sneak them in, except that he's sitting on their shoulders and he's tipped off comic book guy to this. Well, of course, because comic book guy pays him in something. I didn't tell what it was. He gave him money. I don't, it's just some casual Homer, like riding out his own kids snitching. Yeah. Terrible. Kind of, what kind of. Homer's a snitch. I mean, there's an entire episode where he becomes a prison snitch. It's what he does. I don't, I think you just made that up, Matt. Nope. Homer's a coward. Just the way it's always been. Regardless, they are left outside while Tom Savini gets to do his demonstration. Appearing exclusively here at the Android Dungeon, take that, Messrs. Barnes and Noble, the King of Splatter, Tom Savini. Good evening. <clears throat> Sorry, I, I had a really big dinner. Woo! Dinner! But I'm sure one more French fry wouldn't hurt. Oh. Oh. <laughs> the gut buster yeah that should be us covered with blood sure computer technology is here to stay but there'll always be a place for the practical special effects wizard (laughs) i love the theater oh please i saw paul lind do that same hackneyed trick on bewitched tried to explode this out of my belly that's not a cookie 
That's a time-release blood pack. You, sir, are a perfect patsy. Let me shake your hand. To the gag, I will give a D+. plus. As for the workmanship on the hand, it... Ooh. 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 That's not right. <laughs> you mocking me. Oh, that is rich. Stop your laughing. You're all banned. Banned, I tell you. So that, that proceeds. So Com- the comic book guy has invited this gentleman, Tom Savini, mm-hmm. to do a show and then mocks him during the show. Why? Why Why would you mock the person you brought in? Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I'm assuming that this is just a demonstration that, like, in a good episode, you could say, Matt, this would be his, the initial big thing that he does that he needs to overcome, that he needs to redeem himself. Right? Possibly. If it, that's what we're going to make this episode about. I, I mean, it's about comic book guy. It has to be about something, which this... It isn't. It isn't about anything. It's it's an episode with comic book guy and things happen, um, but there's no theme. There's no arc. It just he doesn't learn anything. He's just the same as he was at the beginning of the episode. And uh, yeah, he's just a jerk, man. I don't know. That's like that's what it's. This is just they just take a Homer episode and substitute comic book guy. That's what this is. Oh, that is so true. I didn't think about that, but yeah, you're right. This is, like, that's all this episode is. It is just, like, I mean, Homer's not going to date Agnes, obviously. But, yeah, they make us, they just give him, like, hey, he's a jerk for a while. And then he gets arrested. It doesn't mean anything, though. It's I, I mean, it's, I, it, yeah, it's, it is what it is. I mean, and here, at the end of Act 1, it is 8 minutes and 25 seconds in. The plot has arrived. Comic book guy has a heart attack. Everyone's worried about him. And that's when we go to commercial. And when we come back, uh, comic book guy is now in the hospital, and the Simpsons are there for some reason, uh, along with Dr. Hibbert, who is uh, basically giving him the uh, the gist of what's going on. Young man, you've had what we call a cardiac episode. Worst episode ever. Oh, not even close. If these boys hadn't called 911, I'd be wearing that watch right now. <laughs> Just kidding, but you would be dead. You saved my life? Yeah, after you were so mean to us. So now we're even. My prognosis, or is it diagnosis? Whichever. You need to avoid stress. What kind of work do you do? I run a comic book store. Oh, dear Lord. We call that profession the Widowmaker. Or we would if any of the proprietors were married. You should close down the store for a while. But I'd lose all my business to Frodo's of Shelbyville. Then get a friend to run it for you. You do have friends, don't you? Well, super friends. Well, you should get some friends who aren't printed on paper. What, you mean action figures? We'll run the store for you. Two ten-year-olds running my store. I, I mean, wait, what is this, Bizarro World? Calm down. Don't make me put a dog heart in there. So, yes, uh, just for Dr. Hibbert's edification, it is neither diagnosis nor prognosis. It is your recommendation. Both of those are, are just – anyway, <laughs> neither of those are uh, about – It is you know, not uh, the worst. This is They're not even the top ten of the dumbest things that happened in this episode, Matt, so I would I not know, get started. I know, but it bugs me because they're like, oh, is it this or this? It's neither. I mean – It's not even a good joke. It is not a good joke. And isn't Dr. Hibbert – I'm confused. Is Dr. Hibbert competent 
for so long he was the competent doctor. Dr. Nick was the quack. The incompetent. That's true. Uh, however, I think when you just need a doctor gag rather than drag in Dr. Nick, since he represents the bad doctor, they just drag it. They just pull in Dr. Hibbert for the doctor joke. So, And that, I want to make this clear as well. That was the scene in which we are establishing that the kids are running the store. Yes, you didn't see it. It wasn't a big deal or anything, but all of a sudden they say, oh, we're running the store. Okay. He doesn't even say yes. What is he? He says, what is this bizarro world? And then they go with it. And then it just happens. I, like, I, I'm just accepting that. Like, we're just, oh, yeah, this business, we're going to have it. Ten-year-olds run it. There's not even, like, a wacky ma'am or hijinks to get set it up to have them do it. It's just them going, yeah, we're going to run the store. I'm like, well. He could just hire a person. He could, but it's a comic book shop, so he can't because it's poor. I mean, I'm assuming that comic book guy makes most of his money selling magic cards, not comic books. Yeah, that's true. Uh, comic books are not exactly the most um... lucrative. Yes, let's go with that. Yes, I know. I'm just. I just want to make that clear. It's not the. Big, it's not my biggest problem in the episode, but that's what happens. It's just, hey, we said it, so it happens. There's no reason. They don't, we don't have a scene where they say, I will do this. And comic book guy never goes, that makes sense for this reason. He doesn't, they don't even have him say, well, I have no friends. This is my only choice. He doesn't even yeah. say that. He just goes, what is this? Bizarro world? And here, some oblique comic book references. Plot. Late. It's just, yep, it's just going to happen. <sighs> It's not okay. I will also say this episode's not terrible. Like it's not it's not the bottom 10 or whatever. That it's not like that that misery where it doesn't like it, it has a semblance of order to it, but it's not good. I don't even call no. it I wouldn't even call it average. It, it 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 has character moments in it. They don't lead to anything or mean much, but they're there. I'll give them that. And and it does have a, a a steadier pace. Again, I'm not necessarily sure if that's intentional or it's just we didn't want to have to write more things. <laughs> but I those are the highlights of it. And it it but still, mm, I don't I don't hate it. But maybe it's just that this these seasons have driven feelings out of my soul. Sounds about right. So yes, uh, at this point uh, we go back to. Uh, the kids taking over the shop. Uh, we have a joke about a uh, comic book guy being fat because his uh, instruction list is just a bunch of terrible foods you would get at a grocery store. Again, haha. Uh, but at this point, uh, Bart and Milhouse take over the comic shop, and there are a lot more kids in there uh, because no one is insulting them all the time, I have to assume. Uh, there are lots of kids just standing around reading comic books, which is uh, you're not supposed to do, but it's Bart and Milhouse. They seem to be okay with it. Uh, Bart is having a, a lot of friends. Uh, He's just—he's doing the Bart schmoozing thing that we see a lot in episodes like this. We're just walking around saying, hey, how's it going? Hey, how you doing? That sort of thing. Uh, but, you know, it looks like while comic book guy is gone, it's actually – the store is going to make a lot more money because people are actually wanting to spend time in it. Meanwhile, Homer uh, takes comic book guy out uh, to basically, you know, make him some friends. Show him, you know, hey, this is what you do. If you have more friends, you don't have to worry about, you know, 10-year-olds taking over your store next time. You can have a friend run it. No. When you've got a bum ticker like we do, you need all the friends you can get. And Moe's is the friendliest place in the rum district. Get out and take your Sacagawea dollars with you. I'll give you till three. 
What? Hey, Homer, who's the manatee? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now be nice, Mo. This guy just got out of the hospital. Oh, sorry. Uh, let me buy you a drink. Very well. <clears throat> I would have a shot of cranberry schnapps. Ha <laughs> uh, These, uh, they're just painted on there. Uh, your choices are beer and, uh, egg soakings. I'll pass. Beer is the nectar of the nitwit. Hey, you knocking beer? Nobody badmouth stuff. Ah, piece of crap. Come on, you're here to make friends. Please, if I wanted to hear mindless droning, I'd befriend an air conditioner. Oh, now he's ragging on air conditioners. Hey, they keep us cool in the summer, pal. Get him! And stay out! Hey. Is there a word in Klingon for loneliness? Oh, yes. I had to include the Klingon, uh, to be quite honest, uh, just just because I, I say that from time to time. Uh, usually not about loneliness, just when I want to interject some, you know, conversational Klingon. So, comic guy is a jerk some more? Comic book guy is a jerk, and for no particular reason. Like, I don't know what's the deal. Like, why is he being a jerk for, for to people who are trying to be nice to him? That's, I mean, I wouldn't... They're not necessarily... Mo is not being necessarily... I mean, I guess he does offer him a free drink after he shoots that person. Um, yeah. The, the one of the bar flies. That's a regular, and Mo just shot him inside the bar, and I guess we're just getting flossing right over that, because that, we can't just make Mo kind of mean. We have to make Mo a murderer literally on screen murderer which is what like that's what that is implying right matt that he shot that man and that man is now lying on the ground dead right or that he just shot nearby him and the he, guy was really fast and got out we hear the man fall we hear a thump noise maybe that's uh, the door shutting behind him regardless I, it's minor again minor nitpicky that it's a problem but not top 10 um again matt if this was leading to comic book guy confronting a fact about himself that he is a bad person or he is a jerk and he shouldn't be a jerk or relating to people or something it's not it's not it's not unfortunately it's, it's just, like people aren't allowed to change in the skull years it's just i mean it's not even change it's like over the course of an episode just have him realize something if you want him to be a jerk next time that's fine but he has to have something happen to him over the course of an episode otherwise it's just things happening and that is what this is yeah, yeah mm -hmm. I guess. so anyway moving on S moving on we go back to the comic book shop uh, where Millhouse uh, is you know trying to essentially impress Lisa uh, he's in uh, Lisa comes in to ask where Bart is, and uh, Bart uh, and Milhouse says that oh, he's the you know the co-manager or whatever uh, to a comic book salesman who comes up to sell a new comic book named Biclops, who's about a superhero with glasses, which I guess in 2000 was a a new thing. Or Milhouse has never heard of Superman. Who knows? Uh, but in order to impress Lisa, uh, he makes the decision uh, essentially that he is going to get at least a thousand copies of Biclops and spend all of their money on it because obviously it will, you know, make them a ton of money and will impress Lisa that he is able to make decisions like that. He's, he's a, it's a big man. Of course it doesn't. Of course. Uh, also, go ahead. I, I don't know. I, again, I mean, I, most people don't care or know anything about how comic books work or how comic book businesses work. This is just, but 
I I do. I do. And this is not how it works. That's fine. No, not at all. This is this is how like a normal retail environment works instead of the completely ass backwards way that comic books work. I mean, it's also an incredibly tiny store that the that the Android's dungeon is. It's it's a, yeah. it's a small a thousand store. Thousand copies of this. Hell, a hundred copies would be too much. Ten is too much. <laughs> That's true. You need three of those max. Maybe three. I again, it's it 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 demonstrates that Millhouse. It hey, I'll give it this. It is showing character. It is giving. That's true. It is showing character. It is showing like this B plot. Which is, I think that's when I, I was talking about this in the lead up to it last week. That's why I remember this B plot is because things like there's character and growth in this. There's like conflict. Homer and Bart, not Homer and Bart, Bart and Milhouse, Bart and Milhouse have a they 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 have a they have a, a partnership. They have a problem. They get they 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 have a problem with their friendship because they have a business problem. And then they become friends again. There's an arc there. Things change and then then settle back into a status quo. It's something. It it's something. It's literally the only good character work we have in this entire episode, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, at this point, uh, I just want to point out the contracts with minors are invalid. Therefore, anything that Bart and Milhouse sign, they can just get out of by saying, "We're minors. Doesn't matter. We're not paying you." Anyway, uh, at this point, uh, we see comic book guy go to the uh it's like the community center uh where he's going to some kind of meeting uh you know to try and make friends uh because that's his last resort essentially where he bumps into agnes skinner uh who is horrible to him and he is horrible back and somehow somehow that makes them like each other robbie can you explain this to me because i i can't i just i can't i mean if you want to like you could easily like okay i'm um harold and maude have you ever seen harold and maude Matt? i have not it's a great movie you should see harold and maude. I, everyone should see harold and maude it's a great movie i think they're remaking it i heard rumors about that i hope they don't uh it's perfect the way it is it's in, from the 70s but it's a movie about like a, a young a, a young guy like early 20s meets an older older lady like in her 60s or 70s and they enter into a romantic relationship together and they're both they're both weirdos. They're they're both odd. They they don't belong to anything. They're both looking for companionship and and love, and they find it in each other in this really in a in a relationship in a you know type of relationship you don't see very often. So you could easily I could you could it's it you could do that here. You could have these two people who are both like the people Harold and Maude. Those characters are generally not complete jerks to everyone they meet but what i know but I, that's who agnes and comic book guy are largely so if you want to kind of like i i can understand pushing them together in this very strange couple where they kind of find companionship and somehow real and like get and i think it be, it can become it could be it could be something with substance but they don't give like they're just mean to each other and then somehow they're going on a date and it doesn't make any sense like i this is not how courting works if you want them they can both be mean i understand that that's fine i guess at the end of the day unless like again that it 
in the if you start looking at it, then you go, oh, it's the grander structure of this episode that's the problem. But if they were bonding over something, like people don't bond over being mean to each other when they first meet. That's not any meat. That's not how meat cutes work. Like I, it's <laughs> not watch a romantic comedy. It's not complicated. You just have them meet up and be stuck together in an awkward situation and they bond over maybe being mean to other people, which is what how they basically, you know, end up demonstrating that they're a couple. But that's how I the this meet cute doesn't mean mean anything. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't matter, Matt. I don't know why I even <sighs> I don't know why. Well, let's let's think about that for a while and we'll mm-hmm. move on mm-hmm. and it will get so much worse. Mm hmm. Uh, so uh, at this point, uh, we get to the closing uh, bit of Act Two uh, when Bart comes in to discover what Millhouse has done, and they get into a fight. So, how many issues of Biclops would you like? Biclops? Who's his girlfriend? Lois Lame? He's kind of afraid of girls. <clears throat> it doesn't even smack good. How could you spend all our money on a comic book published by Lens Crafters? We'll never sell these. Birds won't even use them in their nests. Okay, so I made one bad decision. Oh, it's my fault for leaving you in charge. Sometimes I forget how young you are. I'm only three months younger than you. Oh, look, you're getting cranky. You haven't had your juice. Well, my straw broke off in the carton. That's not the point. We're supposed to be partners, and you're pushing me around like a play school corn popper. It's a vacuum cleaner, Millhouse. Whatever! I demand respect! I have feelings! I'm a human boy! Just like you! Shh! Use your indoor voice. Okay, that's it! And that is how we end the the act. Is uh, a... a, uh, What do you call when they... Freeze in midair and pose. I mean, freeze frame. Freeze frame. Thank you. And a freeze frame, a stylized one at that. Yeah, Silver Age comic book style freeze frame, I would say. It's supposed to look like a comic book panel, I assume. Um, I did mention earlier that Bart and Milhouse are the only kind of character arc in this. I will say that this doesn't... I don't... I assume that we're supposed to empathize with Milhouse here. Yeah, I think that mainly because of what Bart is basically going through and minimizing everything that Milhouse says by drawing attention to something else. Yes, I, I, I assume I think that's what they're getting at. I think they're trying for us to empathize with Milhouse because Bart is condescending and like treating him like a baby. And it doesn't work if you make Milhouse look like an idiot. Yeah, because that's what he he you know he wasted all their money. That that would be the entire budget of the comic book store. Uh, for probably the year, uh, for for or for months for ordering that one comic, and I, uh, you have to muddy the waters a little bit. You have to. I mean, Bart looks kind of lazy. I think that's the worst of it. Bart looks a little lazy, but I again, it whatever. They're they're fighting. They're arguing. When we come back, they continue to fight. Um, and they crash through a poster on the wall that is a She-Hulk poster. She-Hulk poster that looks like, uh, I believe it, it it is supposed to be Rita Hayworth from, in referencing Shawshank, Shawshank Redemption, 
Um, it's basically the same pose, but it's She-Hulk. Well, that's a nice little Easter egg. Um, they crash through that poster and they, they roll down some stairs and they find themselves in Comic Book Guy's giant, massive, secret VHS t- tape collection, which I kind of wish that was this episode was just them watching these weird tapes. That's all. I like no plot. Just literally. Well, of course, t- no. I mean, I, there's no plot in any like ma- meaningful plot in any way. Why don't we just have them watching weird tapes for for three acts? That would be a very interesting clip show. Uh, not even clip show. Uh, anthology. Like, just make it VHS. The but the Simpsons. Yeah, but they don't. They don't. Do, they don't. They don't do that. So they 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 are kind of amazed and they kind of forget their fight for a bit because they see all the the tapes and they're astounded by all of them and they start exploring them. And then we cut back the comic book guy who's now at the, the, the Skinner's house picking up Agnes. It is a little bit awkward. I'll be right down. I'm just putting on my witch hazel. Oh, 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 oh. So, uh, your mother tells me you go to Springfield Elementary. Exactly what is your interest in my mother? She makes me laugh. Here I come! <gasps> Good Lord, Mother, I can see your... figure. Oh, you see a lot more when you do my daily mole check. What I do for my allowance money is nobody's business. He's not nobody. He might even be your new daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Police informant tape? These are never supposed to leave the station. I really hate to be a snitch. Don't worry. Your yellow-bellied ratting will be held in the strictest confidence. Well, in that case, my neighbor Homer released a radioactive ape in my house. It's, uh, It's taken over the whole top floor. It wasn't Dad's fault. The ape tricked him. What's next? Mr. Rogers drunk. Well, what do you mean I can't take off my sweater? I'm hot! You know, I'll bet kids would pay to see this stuff. We could have a midnight screening right here in the store. <gasps> That's actually a great idea, Millhouse. Really? Well, I was due. I'll say. Partner. Um, so they're watching that we get one, we get comic guy picking up Agnes and I, that was a good question that Seymour asked him. Why, what is your interest in my mother? And that was a, a well, way. That's it, what we'd like to know too. Yeah. It's a good question. We're like, why are you two? And they chose, she makes me laugh as the answer. And that's, it's not bad. Honestly, it's not. It's not the worst. There are worse responses. There are worse responses. It makes some sort of sense. Although I think they missed an opportunity to deep, like, just say, like, have comic book guys demonstrate some vulnerability. I mean, he doesn't ever in this entire episode, so I guess why would he start now? But that would be a chance for him to, like, actually be honest with Seymour and, like, level with him and, like, hey, I'm kind of lonely and she comforts me. But he doesn't say that. Um... We also get Ned confessing that there's a radioactive ape in his house. Taking Which over is a the, decent runaway gag. Take, uh, I mean, you just toss it out there. Take it. I honestly, Matt, this made me laugh. This part, this isolated 
if you isolate this, Bart saying, oh, it tricked Homer. I go, that's funny. I like that that, that Homer did it wasn't malicious. He's just stupid. And I think that's like, I think that's very, very characteristic of Homer. It's a very good joke. However, that is not the last appearance of this radioactive ape in this episode. No, unfortunately, it is not. But we'll get to that, I'm we'll, sure. We will get there. So now that they have discovered these videos, discovered their this new treasure trove, um, Bart and Melissa, I have mended their friendship and are already going to uh, exhibit the tapes for money to the rest of the, to a bunch of kids. We see Homer and Marge at the food court at the Springfield Squidport, while and, and then we see comic book guy and Agnes go on a date there. And then a montage of them, quote unquote, bonding, which is just them being mean to other people. What do you think about this montage? I feel like this montage is true to their characters, but just makes me sad. Like, I just, it's one of those character moments that I, I believe in for comic book guy and Agnes, but I feel like they should be learning something else. Because I think what they're trying to get at here is that this is... The only Agnes is the only person who fits with comic book guy because of how much they hate people. And the problem with that is that that makes it so that they will also eventually hate each other. So if they had focused on this for the rest of the episode and not taken so long to get to the plot and our usual blah, blah, blah problems, it could have been something worthwhile. But it's not. This would be fine if it was in the first act. Yeah, but it's not. It's in the third act and we're about like three minutes away from the end of the episode at this point. Um, so they are and like they're ha- where is comic where's the conflict with comic book guy what's his problem in this episode that he has to get over that he has no friends I believe it's but what about the heart attack man that just gets him to realize that he has no friends well what about the comic book store that's a B plot but what but he th- is Agnes's friend at the end of the episode I, 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 uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, I don't, it's never, there, there's no reason any, that any of this is happening. It's just stuff that happens. <laughs> that's what I've been saying. It's just a bunch of stuff that happens. Yes, exactly. Except that's a joke that the Simpsons made at the end of a good episode where actually everything did happen for a reason. You know, there was, characters had motivation. Um, and doing things, uh, that episode actually was making a joke and the fact that they actually worked really hard on those episodes and actually created things that gave characters motivation and then just poop out a bunch of garbage, uh, onto the screen and then made, then called that and then made those same jokes when they put out bad episodes. Um, so the, the kids, we're back to the kids, the fun part, uh, Barry Millhouse are showing, uh, more tapes. They've now admitted a bunch of kids in at five bucks a pop. I would say you probably do ten for you know. Well, this, this is back in two thousand. So ah, you know. got it. Inflation. So th- there's a bunch of kids that are watching the video, and then the police show up. If you are watching this tape. You are the president of the United States. Hello, sir or ma'am. Hopefully, sir. Got that right. Yes. Town of Springfield has been classified NWB or Nuclear Whipping Boy. In the first moments of a nuclear war, Springfield will be bombed at will by all friendly nations to calibrate their missiles. Now, for total security, I will terminate the cameraman. Thanks a lot, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) All right, this is a raid. 
Well, well, well. This place has got more pirated tapes than, uh... Uh, Chinese Kmart. Well, that'll have to do. Uh, these yours, son? No, sir. We're just exhibiting them for profit without permission. Fair enough. But the owner is in more hot water than... A Japanese tea bag? Why don't you lay off the Asians, Lou? You okay, Matt? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's... I, I, don't, I don't mind that joke, frankly. Um, I, I, the, the, I, I don't know. It's fine. There, I don't know why the police are raiding the comic book store. That's a fantastic question, Robbie. How did they even know about this? I mean, Ralph was in the store earlier. They let him into the adult video section. <laughs> That's why police chief was here. He's like, whoa, they have an adult section. I got to check this out. But they don't say that, do they? No. No, they don't. Um, there's no reason for it to happen. It just happens. There's no setup for it. There's no there like if there was at any point a re where we're we as the audience should be clued in earlier that there's a th there's th that they could be worried about this that there's a reason that this is risky like Bart and Milhouse could say it earlier when they see the tapes for the first time they could allude to oh no the police are gonna come it could it's a risk if we start showing these videos um because I don't what's illegal about this again. Um, that the tapes themselves are somehow illegal. Not quite sure how. Um, are bootleg tapes big enough for the Springfield well, police? Well, Springfield. Who knows what uh, they, uh... Sure. Sure. You can hand wave it all away. It's just another example. Another example of why. Why is this happening? And it's like, oh, because, um, basically the boys are let off with no punishment. Um, I will, hey, at least there's a closure there. They are friends again. At the end of the day, when they they that's had true. they had an argument earlier, that's something you know. It's something to hold on to when usually there's nothing. Um, in case in point, here's here's the ending. Here's comic. They they go to the the cops then break in on comic book guy while he is with Agnes, and then we get the actual ending of the episode and the return of the radioactivate. Well, you've changed me, Agnes. Maybe there is room in my store for romance comics. Nobody will buy those. Your store smells. Now kiss me, funny face. All right. Oh, oh, dear God. Cover your eyes, boys. It's okay, man. It doesn't affect you. You're not human. Uh, comic book guy, you're under arrest for the possession of illegal videos. But we'll reduce the sentence if you put your pants on. Fast. God. Come on, Romeo. <laughs> they can't lock me up for long, Agnes. Will you wait for me? Are you crazy? My bones are half dust. Well, we may not have the store, but at least we're friends again. Yep. And we haven't been to school in days and days and days. Oh, well. Looks like everything's back to normal. <laughs> Look, if you want me to turn, just point. That ow! It's one way. Ow! Now what was that for? Ow! 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 He's my favorite new character, Matt. The radioactive ape. Mm. I believe it, especially out of this episode. <laughs> I, I. Well, okay, so we've been talking about comic book guy, right? And. So 
the cops have raided his store for his bootleg tapes and are arresting him here at the end, taking him away from Agnes. And Agnes says, no, I'm too old. I can't wait for you. What? What? I got nothing. Hey, we're going to get into is this episode broken? And my God, is the answer ever yes. Is it? All right. If you say so. I don't. I don't know what this episode is, Matt. I don't know what's going on here. It, it, it's some crazy stuff that happens, and it's funny because it's comic book guy, and we like to see comic book guy, someone be mean to him, I guess. I don't know. I, I, I again, I don't know if this episode is broken, but I do think it's bad, but I've just entered into a state where I can't, I feel like I'm losing sight of what bad is. Because I'm just being bombarded with it every week um, by these episodes, and I'm losing sight. I'm losing my perspicacity. I'm losing track of what is good and what is bad. Like, I, this isn't, I know it's not, I know this isn't good, but how bad is it? It's bad, but is it, it's not like as bad as like when you dish upon a star, I don't think. Um, no, it's not quite that bad. It just, it like you said, it doesn't seem to have a point. Like the whole, like there are two plots here. One is the boys taking over the comic book store. Decent idea for a plot. Fine, whatever. But then I guess they thought, well, how can we make this happen? Oh, let's give comic book guy a heart attack. And then they have to do something with him for the rest of the episode, which I would say, no, no, you don't. If you want, just leave him out of the rest of the episode and make the comic book store the whole plot. I don't know why. That'd make it a lot better to begin with. They do. I, this is the most confusing thing to me. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be confused by it because the Skull Years, they don't even bother to do this with their main characters. But why don't they try and humanize him ever? Like, I would th- I would think that if I I would think that that's what the relationship with Agnes is supposed to do. It's supposed to humanize him because he's he's finally finding love or something companionship, at least. And then with that, it's changing him. It's making him more of a more of a, a better person. It, but it doesn't. There's nothing in this that humanizes him. He's just a big gag, big fat joke factory, and mean joke. Like, hey, he can be. Well, let's make fat jokes about him, or let him torture children. And those are the jokes we make about comic book guy. We don't give him a name. Even we can't have him. Hey, that's the way you deepen the relationship. You have Agnes call him by his real name instead of comic book guy. That's easy. But you can't because he has no personality. It's a lay. It's a layup. Like I, that's that's free. That's off the top of my head. It didn't take any work. But I, it feels like I'm like, it, it feels like trying to explain something to toddlers, like how to write characters that are people, like humans. That's all you have to do. Just write humans. Comic book guy that's what the point of these episodes are. That's the whole point of episodes with that star supporting characters, all the points of the, of, of Skinner episodes, the point of Mo episodes, point of crusty episodes, point of Patty and Selma episodes is to take these characters that are stereotypes, the Pooh episodes, you take characters that are stereotypes are a collection of tropes. You know, Patty and Selma for so long, were just a collection of, uh, their, their, their mean, awful sister-in-laws. That's all they were for years. But then you get an episode that focuses on them and you can change that. Yes, you get, did. you get a single episode and you go, oh, man, this is sad. And and then suddenly when you get Patty and Selma being those awful sister-in-law characters, you don't feel necessarily as angry 
at them when they're mean to Homer. You understand them a little bit more. You understand, oh, they work terrible jobs at the DMV, and they don't, they can't find love, and all they have is each other. And or or Skinner or Mo or Krusty or Pooh, any of these characters, you suddenly gain empathy for them. You understand who they are. Why I've never attached myself to comic book guy, never I've never grown any empathy towards him, is because hey, this is his first real appearance as a character, his first chance for them to write him as a human to make us feel for him. That is why we get attached to these characters. That's why there are still people watching The Simpsons 30 years later, 20 years after The Simpsons were good, consistently. That's why, because we are attached to these characters, because we care about them. This is not how you get people to care about characters. This is just a collection of nothing. Comic Guy is just a collection of nothing in this episode. Bart and Milhouse... Well, he's a collection of mean comments. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I'm. it's not, there's no substance, Matt. It's just ephemeral. I've said this a million times, and it's no exception. Uh, this episode's bad. I don't know what else to say about it. I don't, the, you know, frankly, the ape, I don't care. I don't like the ending with the ape. It should have just stopped with the boys. I don't know why they had to have a scene with Flanders and an ape. There have been a lot, there were multiple comments, the answers to our listener question this week about how, I'm or or comments. I think I posted no. I posted a screen cap of this ape to uh, our Twitter, and there's some comments about how we're gonna miss the zaniness of the Scully years, as oh, we God, seg- no. as we segue into the kind of slightly dullness of the Algene years. Uh, I don't know if I'm gonna miss the the zaniness, the ape, the radioactive apes, and all that, but it's not the problem. The the zany like there's a fact the episode ends with the radioactive ape is not the problem with this episode. You could uh, you could append a radioactive ape to the ending of any golden years episode and you'd be like, That's a good episode. It's really weird that it ends with a radioactive ape in Flanders, but there's a lot of weird endings to Golden Years episodes that we just kinda go, Oh, that's cute because the rest of the episode's good. Problem is the rest of this episode isn't good. Correct. Anything you'd like to add, Matt? Nope. Nope. Got nothing. Okay. I'm ready to stop talking about this. We will rank it at the end of the show. So Matt, you you're 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 saying this episode's broken? Well, okay. This episode has no reason to exist because it doesn't really do anything and it doesn't make any it doesn't expand on anyone. It just if that's broken then yes, I would call that broken. I mean, it's broken to the point where I just feel like it never should have been made. I mean, we've never I I I've resisted trying to to give us a hard definition of what broken is because i don't want to pen us in to a certain place right it's i think it's always more of a feel thing um i would argue that the, the b plot has something the substance there i mean it's not a lot but it's something yeah i mean it's a good b plot it, it would work well in an episode where the a plot has something to say i, I i'm on the fence I'm on the fence. I'm in the kind of like, hey, it's certainly a bad episode, but I don't know if I would, I would go to, to, I don't know if it's necessarily just a demonstration of that I am beaten down and tired and like it has to, it has to do a lot at this point to make me think it's broken. Um, I don't think the comic book guy plot says anything, but also it's not, it's not messy, I guess. It like, it comes to an end. It just doesn't have a. It just it. It's just a collection of scenes. Does that mean that it's broken to you, Matt? Uh, I don't know. Like you said, it depends on how we define broken. Okay, maybe it's not broken, but I just there's no uh, reason to ever watch this. I think an episode can be bad and not be broken. 
Okay, fair enough. I, I want to make that clear. I think we've watched bad. We've already watched bad episodes that I wouldn't consider broken. Um, but I no bones about it. This episode is bad. Um, but not. I would say not broken. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Okay. We can move on to our next segment. It's time for our comments on the news group. Okay, here we are. Alt dot nerd dot obsessive. Comes to the news group is where I come through the alt TV. Alt.tv.simpsons is a group see what people are talking about the week or two after an episode debuted, what they thought of the episode, if there's any other interesting tidbits I discover. Um, I got some reviews for you, Matt. I'm gonna, I just want you to take them in, okay? I'll try. Worst episode ever. Hardly lived up to its title. For the first time in weeks, I totally forgot to rate the ep as good or bad while watching it. It was excellent, and I loved both plots. A solid classic, through and through. 10 out of 10, A+. Next review. I've just got one question. Where's Homer? Apart from the antacid trip at the start, I can't remember Homer making any contribution to this episode, which can only be a good thing. An A grade in a Scully episode. I never thought I'd do this, but this one epitomized the increasing quality of The Simpsons in recent episodes as the reign of terror starts to wind down. A. Hear that, Matt? A. Yeah. I'm trying to contain my rage. Okay. Final review. A mixed bag without a doubt. It was amusing and engaging, yet messy and quite forgettable. Barton Millhouse running the comic store is a well-executed, if slightly stupid, story. And offers... <laughs> slightly stupid. Offers up by far the best parts of the episode with some wonderful Barton Millhouse scenes, which are, of course, traditionally excellent. However, the pairing of comic book guy and Agnes in the subplot was hopeless, hopelessly contrived, unconvincing, and strangely unfunny for two traditionally funny individuals. We got barely any of Comic Book Guy's stinging sarcastic quips, and very little of Agnes's grouching, i.e. barely any of their actual characters. Worst episode ever is definitely worth watching for the comic book store plot alone, but its many flaws bring it down substantially and will probably cause it to be pretty much forgotten. C+. That one feel, make you feel a little bit better, Matt? A little bit. Uh, there's, there's some intelligence there. A little bit. There's not much else there in those groups. I looked, and it's mostly stuff we've already... Uh, someone did point out prognosis and diagnosis and what they are, and how Hibbert didn't do either. Indeed. But you already covered us, Matt, so I didn't know, don't need to talk about it. Um, okay. We can move on to our next segment. It's time for the listener question of the week. Let's try one more number. <gasps> Yellow. is gonna give me something stupid. Well, hot dog, we have a wiener. Yellow. Our listener question of the week this week is, what is a thing you like about the Scully years? Not a lot of turnout on this one, Matt. Well, I feel like a lot of people would have a hard time identifying what the Scully years were, uh, would be and then would probably not be induced uh, to go look up which they are so they can, you know. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying there's – I appreciate everyone who did answer. Uh, it's, I'm, I myself had a difficult time answering this question. So I don't blame anyone who abstained. Uh, first from Andrew, Andrew Bloom, friend of the show. I mentioned this when we talked about 30 Minutes Over Tokyo, but I think there's a high-risk, high-reward approach in terms of the show's humor under Mike Scully that's somewhat laudable. Current episodes of Simpsons produce a consistent but modest number of chuckles, while Scully's episodes offer an equal number of groaners and guffaws. Algene's second tenure certainly mitigated a number of problems from the previous four years and definitely raised the floor for the series, but also lowered the ceiling in the process, at least in terms of the comedy. Nowadays, I wonder if we'd be willing to tolerate a little bit more baffling zaniness in exchange for a few more good laughs. Uh, from Will, Trilogy of Error is a great episode. Uh, from Darren, I like the prisoner reference. I can't think of anything else, unfortunately. 
uh, from AJ. In a more broad sense, I think I like the lessons learned from the Scully years. I like that both the producers and the world at large saw that The Simpsons wasn't immune from being brought down. It's safe to say viewership and critical response to the Scully years is among the lowest, and the series hasn't really recovered to Golden Years level number numbers or quality since it's gotten better but i think it's a lesson in humility on the producers which was probably needed it also shows us where the most talented writers were as their jokes are the ones that lived on even beyond those even beyond these less than cell years where scully drove the show nearly into the ground uh from sean but every episode had one sometimes just one excellent joke uh andrew very very rarely but once or twice the zaniness worked in the episode's favor uh, from Employee a Million, Addo Benjamin, the shocking amount of one-off things with an O suffix in suffix in their names, e.g., linguo, tomaco, funzo. <laughs> that is, a, I, that's a good answer. I agree. I like funzo, linguo, and tomaco. So good answer. Uh, Casey at Casey Masterpiece. I like the glut of non-PC jokes. Many of the bits you guys have condemned on the podcast are to me really funny. I often think you are overly sensitive. I'm not racist or filled with hate, but I love offensive comedy. There's a ton in the Scully years, and it's often done really well. <sighs> I'm too old. When I was 18, I thought South Park was funny and how they were edgy for being mean to people. And now I'm in my 30s, and... I, the world's terrible. It was that's true. Well, the thing about being young is you're out to shock the world, and you appreciate others who do the same thing. And the older you get, the more you realize that, eh, it's it's not you're not shocking anyone. You're just being mean to people, and that's not helping anyone. Um, the, I mean, Scully. I also think the Scully. I, there's plenty of a, a like quote unquote offensive jokes in their golden years as well. They're just surrounded by better humor. Yeah. Um. Derek at Ismis Derek. It's not boring. The show is not Zombie Simpsons yet. It's been bitten by a zombie and is in its fever-induced crazy transition period. The gene era, by contrast, is like watching paint dry while it's being whipped with barbed wire. Immensely dull and painful at the same time. <laughs> very good. I don't think I agree with that, but I love that description. It's a very good an analogy. I also don't know if I 100% agree with it. I will agree that this is... That's a, it's a fever-induced, crazy transition period this is where the Simpsons are dying. Fair. I can agree with that. Matt, what's yeah. your answer? Honestly, uh, it, it relates to a lot of what everyone else said. Uh, most of these episodes can be relied on to have one or two really good jokes. And I feel like the, the writers that were still around in the Scully years were the guys who were really great at taking somebody else's heartfelt you know, important character-driven story and punching it up. It's like all the punch-up writers stayed and all the writers who are good at character kind of drifted away. And I, I wish those writers would come back or they would get some new writers that were good at that and they could keep these writers uh, for the jokes. Because, like they said, uh, uh, there's always at least one or two good jokes in an episode that really elevate the humor level. Maybe not always, but most of the episodes have that. And I feel like it's just you're you're missing half of the pie here of what makes it good. I I really thought about it over this week about am I going to miss the weird zany stuff, the weird like the radioactive ape or Loch Ness monster showing up in, you know, once we get to the Algene years and it settles down, but it's also a little bit more dull. I don't know yet. Give me like four years of Algene when I'm we're like season 19 or 18 
and I'm like settled. We've they've settled in to what the show will become for the rest of its lifespan. I'm guessing, unless Disney fires everyone, which I don't think they're going to do. Um, I'm not sure. I I like I, I like the fact that the show does try and push out new supporting characters and 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 put them into more prominent positions. I like the attempt, and I think that's largely what I'm going to say. They tried. They tried. I, I will say that they couldn't be the same as what they what the Simpsons were, and that's not their fault. You know, there's always tremendous turnover in the shows, especially successful shows, because people leave because they want to do other things. Because hey, look, I now I have a name. I'm worth more. I can go make my own show, or I can go write on another show, or I can do a different thing, challenge myself in a new way. And that's what you get with this is when, you know, a lot of the Simpsons people have left over the years. And what is what are your choices? You know, you can try and do the same thing as you used to do, or you can just try and be try and be different. And I I will applaud that. I I, I want I think I would probably care I would probably like the Scullyers a lot more if if there were always if show showrunners after Scully were there were a lot of them, but we only have Al Jean. Yeah. And I could I could look at those three or four years and it's bad now because we're going through them and I don't like them. But if there was like, oh, yeah, Scully was it for three or four years and then eh, Al Jean came back, but he only did it for three or four years or two years or five years. And then they had. Matt Selman say, and he took over for himself by himself for three or four years. And then they have another person and another person. It'd be easier to try and kind of like divvy up those seasons and say, Oh, I can appreciate this because it's so encapsulated. But all it is, is like, Hey, it's a tremendous downslide into, a, and, and then into a plateau. And I don't, it's hard to kind of divvy up what I want. I think I'll be a little bit more clear about what I feel about that after we've done three or four years of Al Jean. Um, but I, I'm, I I applaud people trying things. I just wish what they were trying was better. Um, and they, I just wish it wasn't, I feel so lazy sometimes. It's really the, the problem. It's really my, I'm so, it's why I get so upset sometimes. Well, yeah, because it feels like it's easy to make jokes in the Simpsons world. It's not easy to, um, you know, make a, a heartfelt character driven show. And I've noticed Matt, lately, I've noticed it as we've gone on, the length of the intros for the Scullyers, almost always full length, full length intro. You look Shocking. at you look at the golden years. They're always it's constantly varying. They're like, oh well, this one's a little bit longer, so we have a shorter intro. This one's a little bit shorter, so we you know longer intro. They're constantly because they're constantly adjusting. They're constantly working on the episode, trying to f- make it fit. And it's just you now like, what's the shortest amount of time we can we can use? Let's do that every episode. And then oh, we don't still don't have enough time. We have a scene with a radioactive ape in it at the end, yeah. or a scene with the Loch Ness monster at the end. Uh, whatever. Um. We can move on, Matt. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, I'm getting on myself. Next week's question. What is your favorite Seymour slash Agnes moment? Ooh. We have, I don't think we have ever asked this one. So this is a new question. 
um i'll post this question on our social media facebook.com slash the simpsons show pod twitter at simpsons show pod you can email us at simpsons show pod at gmail.com next up matt it is time for the no gold trivia challenge i am too smart i am too smart smrt I mean, S-M-A-R-R-T. The No Google Trivia Challenge is for Matt and I. Each challenge each other with three trivia questions. One easy, one medium, one hard. And try and stump the other. I am three points behind Matt on the season. I need to keep it that. I need to keep it close. Or I'm done. I don't know, Robbie. We'll see. We'll see this week what happens. I don't... It, that The way you're talking about it sounds like I'm going to lose every question. So that's great. I don't think so. I think my medium question is a little too easy. Mm-hmm. We'll see, though. You'll see. What is... Uh, you ready? Oh, what is? What are you ready for your easy question, Matt? I'm ready. These are all from Bart's dog gets an F. Ooh, okay. What does Santa's little helper destroy that breaks the camel's back, so to speak? Homer's sneakers. Do you need the actual name? I mean, hmm. Assassins. They're assassins. Okay, they, they and are, a giant cookie. There's one other thing that uh, what is uh, the Homer's? I mean, the assassins is what starts it. I think I meant the thing that precipitates them thinking about getting rid of Santa's little helper. Oh, um, which is the cookie is one of the things. He's one of the things. Oh man, can't believe uh, you don't remember this. What does he destroy? That's worse than those two things. I mean, those are the things the episode concentrates on. Mm-mm-mm. Not correct. What? All right, hold on. Let me think for a second. I mean, I would have accepted Homer's cookie as a correct answer, Matt, but. That I, it is certainly not the number one thing. That is what changes Homer's mind. Um, but there's another item that changes Marge and Lisa's mind. Marge and Lisa. Okay, I remember the fact that... Hmm. It's... What is it? The baby books? The Simpson family quilt. Oh, the family quilt. The family quilt. That's what it was. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> that's... You're, Matt, you're... That's... You're treading dangerous waters right now. I know, I know. Very I know. I clearly forgot the B-plot of this episode, because Lisa's staying home with the mumps, right? Yes, correct. Oh, okay. That's correct. You're lucky I gave you extra, right. I gave you credit for Homer's cookie. Uh, fair enough. Fair. All right, your easy question. In Take My Wife Sleaze, what vehicle does Homer win in a dance competition? A motorcycle. <laughs> you are correct. That's an easy question. It is an easy question, although that episode is terrible. Yeah, yeah, it is. Your medium question, Matt. How many of the guys in Lisa's magazines are named Corey? I believe she says eight. Yes. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's funny because Homer actually asks her, how many of these guys are named Corey? And she says eight. I, I, I know, Matt. That's why I asked the question. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Your medium question, which I think is a little too easy, but we'll see. Uh, who are the two leaders of the Hell Satans? Let me clarify, the Bakersfield Hell Satans. Uh, it's Homer, Homer, and uh, <laughs> Homer and Homer, Homer and Homer. Um, let's see, Meat Hook, and they're voiced by John Goodman and Henry Winkler. Does that get me anything? No. Okay, Meat Hook, and I, I want to say Dirt Devil, but that's wrong. Uh, <laughs> Meat Hook and Oil Stain. Ooh, I'm sorry. It is Meat Hook and Ramrod. Ram, Ramrod. Ramrod is the Henry Winkler one. Yeah, I realized. I just, I, I couldn't think of Ramrod. It's that's it, that I I associate Ramrod with Super Troopers. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, because Super Troopers is better than Take My Wife's Lease. Uh, 
Of course it is. It's light years better. Uh, Super Troopers 1. I be that make that very clear. Your hard question, Matt. What three other dog training schools do the Simpsons consider before choosing Emily Winthrop's? I have no idea. I thought you were going to ask for the patches on the quilt, and I had those ready to go, but I do not remember at all the other dog training schools. I've already asked you the patches question, I believe, in the past, Matt. Really? Okay. Yes. The There are three of them. They are seen in the phone book. The East Side Rough Form School. <laughs> Professor Von Bowser's Sanitarium for Dogs. Wow. And Dr. Marvin Monroe's Canine Therapy Institute. That last one I kind of remember, but those first two, uh, my brain is giving me no indication it ever even saw those. So, do I get a question? Oh, I forgot. Okay, uh, what do each of the Springfield Hell Satans ride? Oh, God. Homer rides a motorcycle. Congratulations. I got that one right. Thank you. Uh, I don't think I can... I don't think I can put them on the right, the rest of them on the right things. I know one of them rides a, like, a moped. Uh, one rides, I think, a bicycle. And what other zany wheeled vehicle that isn't a car? Is it like a, there's no one riding a unicycle, is there? That seems, I mean, that episode's terrible, so I don't know. Um, I, I'll say, let's say there's a poo... Rides a moped, Mo rides a bike, and uh, Lenny and Carl share a AT. That's I don't know, Matt. I have no idea. I can't. I don't remember. Okay, you you can't, you you hit a couple tiny spots, but nowhere near. Okay, so Homer rides his motorcycle, of course. Uh, Ned is on his bicycle. Mo is riding an old, old, old like nineteen twenties motorcycle. Carl is on a rented Vespa from Hertz, and Lenny is on his lawnmower lawnmower wait up guys i gotta empty my grass bag right back when that episode had charm before it became became what it was now matt has a 25 uh 25 to 20 point lead on me five point lead unfortunately not a fan of that myself i wish i believe in you robbie i believe in you i mean i i don't largely i don't believe in me (gasps) okay just not just not good enough, Matt. Like I said, Robbie, I believe you. You'll come back. You always do. And that's not not true. We can move on to our final segment. The segment we had every single episode with. It's time for best episode ever. Best episode ever. Best episode ever is the part show where Matt and I rank the episodes category closely, watch them chronologically, eventually compiling a list of every episode ever and how good they are. So we have it. We've already established that this episode is bad. Indeed we have. Is it worse than the Simpsons Bible stories? Oof. Um, God, honestly, I can't even bring myself to care between the two of those. Um, Here, Matt, I'll care for us. No, it's not better than the Simpsons Bible stories. Okay. Uh, I don't think it's better than Homer's Odyssey is our lowest ranked. Oh, yeah. Homer's Odyssey is way better than this. I, 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 I'm still surprised we put Simpsons Bible stories above Homer's Odyssey, but yes, uh, I, I think Homer's I, Odyssey have is you, definitely better than Have this. you watched Homer's Odyssey recently? I have, but man, compared mm. to some of these... Mm. Ah, Homer's Odyssey's not that good. It's No, it but... looks It looks terrible. It's boring. It's, it has suicide attempts in it. 
Yeah. Pass on all that. Um, okay. Well, I think this is we're in the truly abysmal territory now. Is it better than Monty can buy me love? On the very fact that it doesn't have a Loch Ness monster on it, I'm going to say yes. What about the radioactive ape? Damn, you got me. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying that there's clear similarities there. I largely, I think I agree with you, though. I think that Monty Can't Buy Me Love is better. I No, mm, no, I don't. Hmm, I'm not sure. I want to say it's better. I'm not sure if it's better. I think it holds together better than this episode. But I'm not positive. The same thing about Beyond Blunderdome. I think this episode is definitely better than Pygmalion. Yes, I would agree. I just don't know if it's better than Beyond Blunderdome or Bonnie Can't Buy Me Love. I think, hmm, I think the strength of the Bart Millhouse story puts it above Monty Can't Buy Me Love. I would have to agree, yeah. I think that's, uh, and solely that, I, I think that's it, it, that's enough to buoy it, to get it above that, the, the pit of sadness that is everything below Homer's Odyssey. Remember when Homer's Odyssey was the worst episode? And we were like, man, it's so bad compared to everything else, and then we get here. No, Homer's Odyssey is alright compared to... It's just kind of boring. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think there's a... I, I would say that there's a large gap between... I wish we could insta- like have a lot of blank space to, to imply like how bad some of these episodes are. Because I feel like there'd be a big gap between like between homer's odyssey and the rest and then another big gap between Santa's sense of snow and make room for lisa like i feel like there's another huge space yeah but we can't do that so number 228 on the list is worst episode ever it puts it at number 37 of of among the post golden years ranking uh first place is still homer's enemy last place is still kill the alligator and run at number 243 doing it great at holding that spot down but you know every week is a new competition for worst episode ever our it really seems like that our next episode is tennis the menace yep i don't remember this i i am blank i don't oh wow okay don't oh uh, i this is i see that this is the one that has andre i say pete sampras and the williams sisters don't remember it the ending is dumb let's go with dumb oh remember dumb a dumb ending and it's, it's scullyers i don't i don't believe it huh I don't remember this episode at all, um, so at least it'll be surprising. This is also the first episode that has digital ink in it. Oh, I think this was I'll the have to pay more attention. This was the litmus test, I believe, for the this since uh, the to 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 putting it full time because it was also done in Radioactive Man, I think, and now it is going to it's done in this episode, and then I, in a few years they do it full time, uh, all digital, but. That's this. That's what this episode is. I'll be surprised along with everyone else next week. Watch along with us if you'd like. Everything that we have talked about is on our website. It's thesimpsonshow.com. Links to everything there, to our Facebook, our Twitter, to our RSS feed. Uh, this list, a link to our Patreon. If you want to help the show, throw it a couple dollars. Really appreciate it. Um, helps you keep... subscribe about the prisoner. Yes, we we just recorded a bonus episode about the prisoner where Matt doesn't like it because he's dead inside. Yep, that's exactly why. It's usually just, the answer. Just hear me rant about how dead I am inside in a bonus episode. I mean, I think it's the, the Scullyers that done it to you. I don't. I think it's a direct result. <laughs> I think it's direct cause and effect. Um, mm-hmm. You can check out my website. It's robbydorman.com. A link to my debut novel is now is available there. 
that you probably heard an ad for before this episode. Uh, if you'd like to support me, if you like horror novels, go buy it, please. It's really good. Matt read it. Um, Matt says it's really good. And he just did say he was dead inside, so he's an expert on horror. That's very true. Matt does not participate in social media. You will not find him. Uh, that's true. However, uh, this week I have been incredibly sleep deprived. So I will be coming to you in your dreams. Just wait until you see a fat bearded guy in your dreams and uh, that'll be me. Just go ahead and uh, pop your questions that way and I'll answer them right there. And the answers you get in the dream are canon. So feel free to attribute those to me anywhere you live. That's a very strange Nightmare on Elm Street movie. <laughs> now I kind of want to make that movie. Where's my camera? I'm Robbie. And I'm Matt. I keep watching The Simpsons. Shh.